she's like, there's a baby doll. Let's, let's play. There is a baby in the manger, in case you guys are wondering. It, there is a baby. Oh, man. Merry Christmas. Really good to have all of you here. Um, I know it's a little packed. This is kind of our every Sunday kind of experience, so get here early to get a seat. Um, we're several months away from this wall moving back to about 24 feet for 250 more seats and a gym and all kinds of stuff. So we hope by the end of summer that'll all be done. But um, man, thank you. Thank you for all you're doing this Christmas season from the turkey dinners all the way to the Christmas giving. That, that's incredible. Your generosity is touching lives and, and revealing the heart of the Father and, and who Jesus really is. Um, man, I want to recognize, I think it's the first time they've been here together. I saw Cole here a couple weeks ago, but uh, Mr. and Mrs. Kirkbride, you're here for the first time, I think, together since marriage, or at least for a while. Yeah, Cole and Michelle Kirkbride. Congratulations. Either way, congratulations. A um, couple other things. Uh, obviously, they mentioned in the announcements, we, we start every year with a, a fast. So uh, just prayer and fasting, whatever that looks like for you. Um, obviously, biblically, oftentimes that was food, but maybe it looks like social media or, or just trading something for something more righteous, something more uh, godly directed in a time. So if it's food, maybe you're giving up lunch hour to pray, read your Bible, things like that. Um, and then one more thing is we're relaunching life groups in January. So if you're interested, we're just starting to make some announcements if you're interested in starting a life group, starting a small group, starting some type of small group ministry, uh, just please get with Mike and Ty right there. Uh, we'll have their emails out soon. And I know there's some other things kicking off in January. Financial Peace University is going to kick off. So uh, be sure to start looking out for these kinds of things and uh, to get involved. All right. So here we are. It's uh, week three of our series. First week, if you missed it, you can catch this all online. It was Hope in a Manger talking about the hope of Jesus, the hope that, that Jesus brought to the earth for us, and ultimately the hope of eternity, the hope of who he is and what he did, how he conquered death, hell, and the grave, he resurrected to bring us into a hope of one day seeing him face to face and being in heaven in eternity with him. Uh, last week was peace on earth, more to myrrh. Okay, we talked about the gifts and the frankincense, and we honestly got into the, the uh, power of forgiveness, the power of the forgiveness we receive, but the power of forgiveness we get to give. And we walk in the ministry of reconciliation, and the freely we receive, right? Freely we give, including forgiveness. This week, we're getting into joy in a stable, all right? And next week is love wrapped in swaddling cloth. So anyway, joy in a stable. We're going to talk about the joy of Jesus, the joy that he brings. First, we are going to read our weekly Advent, all right? So Leah... Kira and Morgan. Is Morgan in here? Could you guys come up? I've been picking random people, and I've been waiting for all three of you to be here together. So come on up. I've been calling on people that may be uh, other Leah. Sorry, no offense. Morgan, would you grab that microphone when you come up? So we've just been informally doing Advent as a church and making it kind of fun. I've been picking on a lot of people that said they would never be on a platform with a microphone. Um, Zach was one of those last week. I think Cody Jones was one. Kira's definitely one. She's like, I will never be on a stage with a microphone. Well, here you are. So never say never. And uh, I did give Leah a little warning before church. She's like, could we negotiate this and talk about somebody else? So... It's because I love you. I'm not trying to embarrass you. I just absolutely love you guys, and I do know that you are called to have a voice. So, um, so anyway, we'll give you the Advent one. You just read that part. And then the verses you're going to read, they're already marked. 
Uh, it's Luke, I believe. Luke 1, 46 through 55. That'll be you. 1, 46 through 55. And you're going to be Matthew 1, 18 through 20. So there's Luke 1. You might have to turn the page, though. 46 through 55. And each, uh, this is the focus on the family advent. And each week it kicks off into a new topic. So it just lined up with our series. I did switch a week of the series to line it up with that. Uh, but we started with hope, peace. Now we're getting into this week is, is focusing on joy for the Advent. Yep. Hello. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to their fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. Yep, Matthew 1. <laughs> now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Bear with me, guys. Okay. The third week of Advent is all about joy. Like the hope and peace that God offers us, this joy is different from what people normally experience in the world. Rather than depending on our circumstances, it's a bright, unshakable, incandescent joy based on our faith in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. This is reflected on the third Advent candle, which is lighter and brighter in color than the other three. There is no better expression of this joy in scripture than in Mary's mag Magnificat. Magnificat? Yes. Thank you. Recorded in the first chapter of Luke's Gospel. During Mary's visit with her relative, Elizabeth, the older woman uttered a prophetic blessing on Mary and on the messianic child in her womb. Mary, apparently a young woman with considerable poetic talent, responded with her joyful song of praise to God. In her song, she magnified the Lord as her Savior, who had chosen her as the instrument to fulfill his plan of redemption that he had promised through Abraham and his descendants long ago. In fact, it was God's earlier promise to the first woman, Eve, which the Lord was now fulfilling through a distant daughter of Eve. Give them a wild applause. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good job. Okay, so the third week. Thank you. I do need that. Uh, the third week is joy. So um, we're, we're running with it right now. And uh, I'm just going to talk about two parts. We're going to go into the Christmas story and then branch off from there and then end somewhere uh, really redemptive, okay? Uh, so I'm going to be, honestly, in those same areas, but Luke 2 and Matthew 2. 
and we're going to take the perspective from the wise men and the shepherds, okay? Uh, shepherds, obviously, I pointed out last week, uh, shepherds found Jesus when he was still a baby, right? Wrapped in swaddling cloths while the wise men found a young child. Um, so I joked around about, you see a manger scene with a baby and wise men, it's totally inaccurate. Throw those wise men away. So just messing. Um, but anyway, Luke 2, 8 through 14 says this. It says, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field. And I know we've been reading some of this each week, but I, I don't think it's something that we just breeze over. And I think each week we can pull something different. And let me just uh, back up just for a second. The context of this series isn't about what Jesus does. It's about who he is. Jesus is hope. Jesus is peace. He is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is joy. We'll get into some of that. So when we're walking with Jesus and we're walking in relationship with him, we get to walk in hope. We get to walk in peace. We get to walk in joy. Next week's focus, we get to walk in and walk out love. So let's, let's finish this. Keeping watch over their flock by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of what? Come on. Great what? That will be for all people. For unto you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and seeing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. So all of a sudden, this, this wild thing breaks out. The shepherds are being told, as we saw in the children's program, the, the, the shepherds are being told by this angel, you're going to find this. And then all of a sudden, the host of heaven breaks out into this song. But it says they're good news and great what? Joy. So we go to the wise men part of the story. And it says in Matthew 2, 9 through 12 is where I am. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with what? Great joy. So, so you have this perspective that, that Jesus is bringing joy when the shepherds are told. He's bringing joy when the wise men are told. It says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. They then opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed their own country another way. I, last week we pointed out, we talked about the, the symbolism, the prophetic significance about those gifts. We talked about how when you find Jesus and Jesus, um, you know, you surrender, all of a sudden you leave a different way than you came. Jesus always transforms us. And then I love this part. Before they gave or used their gifts to bless Jesus, they fell down and worshiped. It all starts with worship. Gifting's great, right? I, I'm a gifted speaker now. I, I used to fail speech class and was awful. And when I got saved, I was like, Lord, if you're calling me this, you need to fix something, right? So, I, but that is a gifting now. And I can rest in that. But if I don't worship Jesus first and it's not in my heart, then it doesn't mean anything and it's not eventually going to be fruitful. I, 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 I preached and I, I ministered in a gifting for a long time, but I didn't have the intimacy with the Lord for, for, for a long while. Let, let's move on here. I want to talk about joy, and I want to talk about it wasn't fame, it wasn't money, it wasn't titles, it wasn't prestige that brought the wise men and the shepherds joy. It wasn't, it wasn't them getting more education or this or that or, or, or whatever. They left and eventually went back to what they were doing. It was Jesus himself that brought the joy. 
It's Jesus himself that brings joy. It's not, it's not these gifts. It's not this stuff. It's not money. It's not a bigger house. It's not growing that thing or making that management position or promotion. Jesus himself brought joy. He alone, he alone is enough. He alone brings us joy. He alone brings us hope. He alone brings us peace and love. We don't need this stuff. Honestly, if anything, it gets in the way and it clouds what true joy really is. I want to talk about the difference between happiness and joy because joy is something that we even choose. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Joy is deep, right? Joy is something within our inner being. Joy, joy goes deeper and it lasts longer and it's the substance of not just a feeling or a temporal thing of happiness. See, a lot of times we feel happy. We get that gift on Christmas. It's cool. I, I, one time Nicole bought me this gift and it brought me to tears. No, no shocker, right? But... I, I like cars. I, I, like, I like fast cars. I like dreaming about owning a fun car one day. Um, I, I, I like this. I dream, right? I've got a little Hot Wheel in my office of a Lamborghini. It's like, oh, that's kind of fun, all right? Um, so one year for Christmas, she bought me a driving experience. And I got to go to Columbus, and I got to do five laps around this course in a Lamborghini. And I opened that gift. It was a printout of a Lamborghini, and it had the, the receipt and what it was. And all of a sudden, I'm like... I was crying, and the girls were like, what's going on? What, are you happy? I was like, I'm so happy. <laughs> and it, it, because it ignited a dream in me. I, no, I wasn't going to own a Lamborghini, but I was going to get to drive a Lamborghini. I get there. I get to the, to the, to the course, and all of a sudden, you're going, your adrenaline's flowing. I'm, you can feel this car. There, I, I don't know. There must be something about Italian leather on your butt <laughs> and power behind it, you know? Because the, you know, the engines, are, anyway. So, so anyway, I got enough back there anyway, all right? But the reality is, all of a sudden, I get done. I'm like, boy, that went really quick. And I was telling the guy, there's, there's a person next to you. And I was like, I, I don't think that was five laps. Oh, it goes faster than you think. It's so fun, isn't it? I was like, no, really, I don't think that was five laps. Because he made me go in. And I get back, and Nicole had taken a video of me. I watched it. Lap one, two, three. There was only three laps. So I go back, I was like, I have it on video. I only got three laps. We paid for five. I want the joy of my other two laps. <laughs> so they're like, all right, pick any car you want. There's a long line for the Ferrari, long line for the Lamborghini. I'm talking your language here, aren't I? Yeah. There's a guy here. I know I'm talking his language. Then there was this Nissan. I've, GTX or what is that? GRX? Help me. GTR. Thank you. I knew you were the right one. There was a Nissan GTR, no line. I was like, it's got four seats, though. That's weird. What kind of sports car has four seats? All of a sudden, I got in this bad boy. They're like, you can take five laps, anything you want. We're sorry. I was like, okay. I get in this Nissan. I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. It was way more fun than the Lamborghini. It had way more power. The handling was better. It was four-wheel drive, and I was ripping through those cones. It was awesome. The point is this, that gift may have brought me happiness, but it wasn't joy. I can share about it, we can laugh about that story, but really it was a moment. It was something that, that was fun, it brought me to tears, but it wasn't happiness. See, see, there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is temporal, and happiness is something that's a fleeing emotion or feeling, right? It's that quick thing. It's, it's happiness if I kill a big buck and, and, I, and I get excited about it. That, that's happiness. Maybe a little bit more when we're eating it and having that roast or whatever. But, but then there's this thing where, where joy, though, is from the Lord. 
Joy is, is a spiritual being. It's an, inner, it's an inner thing that's deep. It has depth. It's even a fruit of the Spirit. It's something that's, that's within the Lord. It's something that's godly. And when we're walking in right relationship with God, we get to walk in joy, partly because we're walking in redemption, we're walking in freedom, we're walking in forgiveness, and we're walking in the joy to know that we get to spend eternity with God. That's joy. That's something that lasts. Listen, if we're working our whole lives to pursue wealth or pursue this or, well, we want to set up our kids for success, the biggest success and joy you can give your kids isn't more money. It isn't a bigger house or inheritance or, or, a, or a company or whatever it might be that we think might set them up for success. It's the Lord. It's Jesus. There's no greater joy on this planet than Jesus. There's no greater fulfillment. There's no greater hope. There's no greater walk in life than one with purpose with Jesus. We can spend our whole lives pursuing these things, but if we're not falling at the feet of Jesus and then giving him his rightful gifts and then walking out a different way than we came, then we're missing the mark. And one of the things we get to walk out differently than we came is the fulfillment of joy. Let's get into some other areas of joy. Joy from beginning to end. We get to experience and walk in joy. And, and biblically, joy starts from beginning to end. And I'll go to the, back to the Christmas story here in a minute. But if you think about it, even from creation, on the sixth day, God sits, he sees everything he created, and he said it was good. He delighted in it. He had joy and pleasure knowing what he created was absolutely the divine plan of heaven and who he was. Everything in seed form from, from that moment on, you know, even to the point of creation and, and, and people, the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they, they throw this party and said, let us make man in our image. And all of a sudden, he wraps a gift up. He, he spins this all around, right, within his being. And here we are so many years later. Because you were more than a thought. You were the joy of the Lord creating you. You weren't an accident. And, and let me just say, God didn't mess up when he put you in this moment of culture. He's not afraid of your kids being raised and growing up in this culture, in this generation, for this generation of people to reach. Why would you have kids in this, in this world around us? It's falling apart. Yep, it is. Meaning they need godly people to be raised up and discipled to reveal the true nature and who God really is. So we, we get on and we, we even see the joy on the cross. And I'm just going to blast through some shotgun blasts of scriptures here. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Beginning to end here, there's this story of joy from creation to the cross and, and, and beyond. And I'll get back to Luke here in a minute. But therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the what? The joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was placed on this earth. He created us. He, there's all of this happening, right? And, and he who knew no sin took on our sin. And it says, for the joy set before him, he endured it. He took it on. It was his joy. It was his delight to reconcile you back to the Father. All pain, all agony, all spitting on, all mocking, all blood, all crown of thorns, everything that you can imagine, the process of the cross and the crucifixion, it was the joy that was set before him that he endured that. Who's the joy? 
It's me and you. It's humanity. It's, it's sin. It's wrongdoings. It's injustices. It's the joy that was before him. There was a joy because there was, there was a, a purpose in that pain. He knew there was, there was something that had to be paid, and he paid it for you and I and paid ransom. Let, let's go back to Luke, um, I believe, 1. Luke 1. If you got your Bibles, you can flip there. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. Luke 1. I, I, I think it's fitting that we think that it wasn't just joy in a manger. Listen, Jesus didn't stay there. He didn't, he's not just this cute little baby in the manger still. He's also not a broken man on a cross. He's not stuck in a, in a grave or a cave. Like the stone was rolled away. He's alive and he's well. His church is alive and well. And we, the redeemed, are alive and well. And we have the hope of eternity. So here, here we, have, um, we have Mary. We have Elizabeth. We, let me just, just for the sake of time, paraphrase some things here. Angel shows up to Mary, um, says, hey, you're, you're going to give birth to a son. And she's questioning it. She's like, how can that be? I'm a virgin, right? And then, and then the angel says, you're going to find, go to your cousins Elizabeth, and she who's really, really old is also pregnant. You're going to see this and let this be a sign that everything I'm saying is going to come true. So we pick up the story here, and I think we're going to go from around verse 37. So the angel says, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary says this. Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I submit to what you're saying. Okay? I receive this, this, um, this life change to carry the Messiah in me, a, a teenage girl who's, who's a virgin, who's, who's with Joseph, right? They're, they're planning to get married. And then all of a sudden, nope, you're pregnant. You're carrying the Messiah, the Savior to the universe. Oh, how? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the, the questioning she's going through? Can you imagine even the shame she may be walking in in that culture and all these things that she's about to face? And she's like, okay, let it be so. If this is you, let it be. And then we go into verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why, uh, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for so we got John the Baptist and Elizabeth and at the very presence of Jesus coming in and announcing, right, all of this, he's leaping for joy in the womb of Elizabeth. And blessed is she who believes that there would be fulfillment of what has spoken to her from the Lord. Blessed to she who what? Believe. When we believe, we, we're blessed. All of these things, we, we've talked over the last few weeks, 300 prophecies in 400 years, and the mathematical probability or even impossibility of that coming true, but yet they all did. It's, this is incredible, but at the very presence of Jesus, John the Baptist is leaping for joy. Just imagine, I'm not going to go in the context of that, but imagine the depth of that. He who's coming to prepare the way for Jesus 
and baptizes for repentance, but one's coming greater to baptize in spirit and fight. Like, go through the story of John the Baptist's life, and he, there's something happening here where he is leaping for joy knowing the plans of the Lord, knowing the fulfillment. So, so we get in here, joy on the cross, joy and suffering. Let's talk about joy and suffering for a minute. And I'm going through the storyline from beginning to end. We get to walk in joy, no matter what comes, because joy is not circumstantial, happiness is. Joy does not come and go based on what my external environment happens or the things around me happen or don't happen. I'm not let down when I get to walk in joy because I know there's purpose for that pain. I know there's something coming. I know there's a reason for it. And I know that no matter what, I end up in heaven. I know that the end, the end game here, and, and I've read in Revelation, we win. So no matter what comes to me here on earth, I win and I get to walk in joy knowing that there is a greater promise and a fulfillment of all prophecy that Jesus is returning for a bridegroom for me, for you, to spend eternity with him. So joy and suffering, let, let's, let's talk about that. James 1-2 says this, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Oh, come on. You mean when I go through junk, I still got to choose joy? You don't have to. You get to. You can be a, a doom and gloom. Oh, the sky is falling. Like the donkey, Eeyore, right? The day's terrible. Steve Backlund, a friend of ours with the ministry, he kind of talks about that. And it's so funny when you hear that because it's so true. Well, you know, you, you, you walk in and it's just like, okay, I want to be around that person because they're full of joy. They're going through a mess, but they're full of joy. There was this sweet lady in our church, and, um, and she's still part of our, our church and our heart, uh, but getting some care. Helen Church. No matter what happened in her life, no matter what chaos, no matter what her kids or grandkids were going through, that lady was absolutely full of joy. Why? Because of her relationship with God. She was so close to the Lord. She is so close to the Lord and so delights in Him that no matter what goes on, she just gets to walk in the fullness of joy with the Lord. Let, let me read one more verse in the context of suffering. Not only that, oh, sorry, Romans 5, 3 through 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Oh, Lord. For we know sufferings produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I just kind of want to cuss right now. Like, oh, crap. You mean that sufferings produce this stuff? And that means the more suffering I go through, the, the greater character that I build? Yes. Yes, it does. And, and you get to choose joy in the process. Now, I, I'm not in the camp that God punishes or, or God puts all this heaviness on us so that we grow and, and, he, and he's this, this angry father and this angry judge in heaven. Like, all right, let's build some character today. Come on, Holy Spirit, Father, let's do this. Come on, host of angels, seraphim, we're going we're gonna to throw a party and it's called the suffering party. I'm not in that camp. I don't think that happens. But in life, we have free will. There's sin that affects us. There's choices. There's things. Listen, I didn't choose for that person to cut me off on the highway. But they did it anyway. So I gave them the burden. No, I'm just kidding. 
like Chris Sabo. I was just saying we were number one. <laughs> if you're a kid growing up in the 80s, you, you might remember that baseball game. <laughs> no, you get to choose joy. You, like, you get to bless these people. Last week we talked about the poison of unforgiveness. The poison most of our suffering comes from because we were let down or something unexpected happened or somebody hurt us or we didn't get what we thought we deserved. Even the point of death, like we have to deal with death. But guess what? Hopefully, with the promise of the Lord and, and what Jesus paid, that person got their upgrade, hopefully. That's why we're here. We owe the people around us an encounter with the Lord to, to, to make heaven crowded. That's, that's the joy we get to do, and that's the part that we get to play. We get to be a vessel, a mouthpiece, the hands and feet for Jesus. We get to give gifts to, to families of a school system that need gifts just to show that Jesus sees you, he hears you, he cares about you, he loves you, and we're here to help you. We don't know the names, we don't know the faces, they don't know the names, they don't know the faces who gave. But God created an intervention there to reveal his goodness. There's joy in his presence. I'm, I'm going to wrap up. If I could get somebody to come on some type of music, maybe. There's joy. We didn't talk about that. There's joy in his presence. There's joy with the Lord all the time. Let me read a couple of scriptures. Psalm 1611 says it like this. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is the fullness of what? Joy. joy. In God's presence. God's presence. God is omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's all around all the time. So when we are walking in his presence, I, I love, you know, we pray that, let, let our cup overflow, right? That means I get to pray and be so full of, of Jesus, so full of his spirit, that I overflow and I ooze out and I leak and I get to splash around me the, the love, the, the joy, the peace, these things that are of God. So in his presence is the fullness of joy. And it says this, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Man, that's good. Psalms 2.4 says, he who sits in heavens laughs. This is fun. Like, do you know, the Bible references and talks about laughter being like a medicine. There, there, there is literally anatomical, physiological benefits of, of laughter. People who are happy get sick less often. People who have joy and have hope and have purpose have a stronger immune system. Because there is, a, there is a spiritual context that when we walk in purpose, when we are full of joy and full of hope of something greater than us, obviously that's Jesus. We're healthier. When we're walking in fear, did you know fear literally lowers your immune system? Fear, anxiety, all these things, they, they lower our health and our, and our wholeness. Because Jesus was broken so we could be whole and we could walk in wholeness. Let me, let me read one more verse an instruction because therefore it proves that we get to choose joy. Joyce Meyer, I know a lot of folks listen to her and have read her books and uh, she says joy is a choice. We get to choose joy. And I think what that is, is it's because we get to make a cognitive decision that Jesus is greater than the things around us. I'm not choosing a feeling, that's happiness. I'm not choosing to feel happier today. I'm choosing joy knowing that there is something deep within this and the Lord is going to work it out and it's going to be used to bring him glory. Even in the chaos, even in the trial, even in the circumstance. Philippians 4.4 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And it says, again, I will say, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. He, he's telling us, rejoice in him always. Not just when things are going great, but always. 
I want to I want to share a story, and uh, first I want to uh, read some Luke 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn back to Luke, and I am officially closing. First closing, probably final closing. Luke 15, and I'm going to read the first two parables here. I'm probably not going to read the, the second one, the prodigal son. We, we go over that a lot here. Um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, actually. Then I'm going to give us some context, and we're going to allow the Lord to redeem some things here. Luke 15, starting at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. <laughs> Boy, he really messed with the Pharisees, didn't he? <laughs> I love it. Jesus met with sinners. He ate with them. He broke bread. He sat at a, a, a well with a woman who had been divorced, who was possibly, some theologians say that she may have been a prostitute. A woman caught in adultery, he, he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone. He digs in her dirt. He's not afraid to dig in our dirt, right? And he catches her eye and he says, go sin no more. Story after story after story where Jesus is meeting with the, 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 of the culture who would be unlovable. The woman with the issue of blood who stunk, who was nasty, who was an outcast. Last Zacchaeus, right? We go through all of these stories of the Bible and Jesus is reaching the least likelies. I can relate. I, I feel like... At, before Jesus, I was, I was a zero, but he wanted to make me a hero. I was a nobody, but he wants to make somebodies. I was full of sin. I was, I was, you know, many of you here know my story. So, man, I love these accusations. Jesus, he met with, with those that no one else would meet with. The dirty, the afflicted, the stinky, the nasty. Let's go on. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. This is, this is pretty deep, and the coin is very similar. We'll read it, though. It, not only when he finds it, he rejoices. He comes back, and he gathers his friends and the people he hangs out with, and they throw a party because something was lost, and now it's found. And then it says this. It says, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Let's go on to the coin. Or what woman have 10 silver coins if she loses one dollar that does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it and when she has found it she calls together her friends and neighbors saying rejoice with me for i have found the coin that has been lost just so i tell you there is joy before the angels of god over one sinner who repents and if we know the story of the prodigal son, at the end of that story, there's a jealous brother who had earned and stayed in the home and all these things representing really slavery and religion, whereas the brother who left represented uh, orphan thinking and, 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 and worthlessness and all that self-value. But when the, the son comes home who is gone, and lost, it said that he spent his money on riotous living. 
He squandered it away partying. Comes back, the brother's jealous, and at the end of that story, they throw a party. They, they, the fatted calf, right? I challenge you to read that story because the father is patiently awaiting for prodigals to return. He's not chasing after. He's just there at rest with love, ready with full acceptance, ready to pour out all of his love, his gifts, and hold nothing back for those who have turned their back, who've left, who, who may not know him, whatever. But then at the end, they throw this party. There's this huge celebration. They throw a party. I, I, was, I was here at the church Friday for a long time and putting out some signs and just doing some chores and then doing some final sermon prep. And I'm walking around, and, and at the playground, I find this knife <laughs> on the ground. It was outside the playground, but it was right outside the fence. So I text my brother. I was like, hey, can you send this to the mowing guys? There's, there's a crew of guys here that volunteer and mow all year for us at the church. I was like, maybe it's one of theirs. And when they were mowing last, it, it fell. So if you lost a knife, here it is. And it just reminded me there's an iconic message that touched my life several years ago, at least a decade ago or more. Um, and I don't even know what the real title is, but it became affectionately known as I Want My Knife Back. And throughout the years, we've had these stories of people referencing that and saying, I want my knife back. And then randomly, these things will just show up. Brittany Reed posted a story. She lost, I think it was a pendant here. And after two years, and we're, she's just like made a declaration, I want my pendant back. It was very meaningful to her, something, something very valuable to her beyond just the value of the item. It, was, it had some, some type of emotional uh, thing on it. And two years later, it just shows up like, out of nowhere. I heard a story of a, of a, of a guy who um, lost a wedding ring. And, and I think he lost it in the winter, thought he had put it in a coat, checked all of his coats, nothing was found. And then references says, I want my knife back. Just kind of reference that in the, in the uh, symbolism of I, I want my thing back. They're in Jamaica at a resort, and he looks down where his drinks were on a, on a table next to him, and there was his wedding ring. It's, it's these things, right? And, and I feel like coming into this service and finding this on Friday and knowing I was already speaking in this context and I was going to focus on there's joy in heaven. There's joy in heaven when a sinner repents. But there is joy in heaven when lost things are found. When there's injustices, when there's things that are lost, when there's things in our life that are lost and, and the Lord redeems them and reconciles them or, or restores them, right? And I believe maybe there's people sitting in here that it's time to say, I want my knife back. And, and by knife, I mean, maybe it's the joy, maybe it's peace, maybe, maybe it's whatever. I want to read this, this psalm. In Psalms 51, 8 through 12, David, he had fallen. He's kind of a mess, to be honest with you. And he writes this, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Create in me, O Lord, a clean heart and renew a spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Then he says this. This is a profound thing. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I find that interesting that, that David, the psalmist, David, a man after God's heart, David, a warrior, a person who could, who could swing the sword but yet play the harp. And have this closeness with the Lord and steward both, both that warrior, that lion, but also the lamb. Loses his joy. And he's praying, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. It's the Lord's salvation. It's not ours. It's not works that we're saved. It's, it's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his, it's his goodness. It's what he already paid on the cross. And through the resurrection, we, we're redeemed and reconciled. So will you stand with me?
I want to read this promise over you, and it's a Christmas promise from Jesus. It's a promise from the cross. It's a promise from the resurrection. It's a promise from creation. And it's a promise of his return. And it's Romans 15, 13. And it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. It's who Jesus is. It's through him we have the promise and the fulfillment of hope, peace, joy, and love. It's through him. It's through when he came through a manger, to the cross, through the resurrection, to his return, that we get to walk in the fullness of his joy. But I believe, like David, maybe some of us have lost our joy. And maybe, maybe there's a physical item. The coin was a, was a physical item, obviously significant for something. The sheep represents people, right? So maybe there's something or someone or some feeling or some hurt or something or an injustice that's been lost. I know that the angels in heaven want to rejoice today of things being found. So whatever that is, I'm going to give you a moment. Just, just ponder that in your heart, whatever that may be. Maybe as I'm speaking or, or saying something, something's like, you know what, that was an injustice. That, or that's still a hurt. Or that's still trauma. Or, or that was not God's plan to take that life that early. Or that abuse or that hurt or, or whatever it might be. Not to get too weird or kooky, but I believe finding this knife was significant to take me back to a place where I lost something and I had a reference to say, I want my knife back. Purities that were lost, different things. I said, I, I want my knife back, Lord. And throughout time, throughout the last 10 to 15 years since I first heard that message, I got to say, I, I want that back. That belongs to me. Through you, Jesus, that belongs to me. That joy, I, I'm supposed to walk in. I, I'm supposed to not walk in depression anymore. I was suicidal as a, as a kid. As a teenager, had suicidal tendencies and thoughts. Was arrested, was, an out, was, was addicted to pornography, total partier, all these things. But that wasn't who I was called to be. So when I got redeemed by the Lord and I got reconciled to him, I get to walk in that. So then any temptation that ever comes, say, nope, that's not mine. Like a piece of mail, I'm going to return that to sender where it belongs and it could go straight back to hell. That cancer, that's not mine. That doesn't belong to me. That shoulder surgery, whatever it might be for you, that doesn't belong to me. We're going to return that to sender because it belongs straight to hell where it belongs, where it is. These things don't exist in heaven. We get to walk in the realm of heaven. In his, in his presence is the fullness of joy. I get to walk in joy. So whatever it is for you, whatever, whatever that is, just restore to me the joy of your salvation, Lord. I want my knife back. So will you just say that for a moment? On the count of three, we're just going to say, I want my knife back. On one, two, three. I want my knife back. Maybe that's your child coming to the Lord. Maybe that's your grandchild. Maybe it's that injustice. Maybe it's you. Maybe there's, there's something on your heart. We're going to ask our prayer team to come. And they're going to just line up here at the altar. If you need specific prayer, we're going to be here. If you need an encouraging word, if, if you're like, man, I, I, I want that knife back. I, I need somebody to pray for me. The Bible does say, let the elders of the church lay hands on the sick. You know, it also talks about let the believers lay hands on the sick and they will recover. It's part of the Great Commission. So we have people here that have some training, have, have some, some time walking with the Lord that would love to pray for you. But can I pray for you that I believe that today is the day of salvation. 
The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And, and in that context, in the Greek word, it says today is the day of sozo, saved, healed, and delivered. Today is the day you walked in here, and today and every day is the day of the opportunity to be saved, healed, and delivered. That we get to walk in salvation. We get to walk in deliverance, and we get to walk in, in, in healing. We get to walk in wholeness, and we get to walk with the Lord with the hope, the joy, the peace, and the love. So let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the peace, Lord. Thank you for the joy. And Lord, thank you for your love. Lord, that we get to walk in joy. We get to walk in the fullness of joy in your presence. We thank you that in suffering, we get to walk in joy. And we get to choose joy, that it's within us, Lord. Lord, that as we pursue you, it's a gift we get to receive, joy. So Lord, right now, I pray that you trade any sorrow, that you trade absolutely any depression or any anxiety or any fear or any longing or, or regret for joy, God. I pray that you trade that out, that you reconcile, that you, that you restore and you redeem what's been lost and you restore it fully and better than it ever was. And Lord, if there's anybody in here that needs saved, I pray that our hearts turn to you. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for, for the redemption on the cross, for your resurrection, and for your hope of your return. And that promise, in Jesus' name, amen. If you need to know Jesus as Savior, he didn't stay in a manger, he didn't stay on a cross, he's alive. And if you want to know him and, and have personal relationship with him and, and become a child of his and turn your heart and just fully submit, uh, these people will pray with you. But God bless you. Merry Christmas. Next week is 10 a.m. and 8 p.m., same service. Bless you guys. Merry Christmas.